0: your exclusive home for Prop Sports. Let's go! It's good! This is Rowan Radio. Connors with the game winner! 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro.
1: Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS FM, proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your Monday host, Larry Dealman.
2: Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You're listening to another Monday edition of Offsides here on Rowan Radio Channel 2. I'm Larry Dealman, your Monday host for this semester, and I am not alone. I'm joined by Nick Carlson, Ali Pontano, and we're trying to get Danny Ryan, our sports director, on Zoom, and we will try and fix those technical difficulties. So we have... Much to go over today. We um, a lot of a lot going on in the city of Philadelphia, especially. We'll start off with the MLB and talk about the World Series. Then we'll get to the NFL, our Week Eight reactions, and a lot of NFL news. And then we'll wrap up with the NBA and a special edition of our Top Five. All right, so we're going to start off with uh, Major League Baseball. The Astros and the Phillies game three in the World Series tonight. These next three games are in Philadelphia. Obviously, they have the 2-3-2 format, unlike the NBA's uh, 2-2-1-1-1 format. So, three straight games in the city of brotherly love. The series is tied at one apiece. The Phillies took game one. Astros took game two. Allie, I'll go to you first. Do you think that the series can shift in the Phillies' favor now that they have a three-game homestand?
3: No doubt, honestly, because... Philly is so ready for this World Series. The fans are ready. The team is ready. And we saw what happened in, during the Pod, the Padres Series. The Phillies, they just took it in Philadelphia. I believe it's going to go the same route. The Astros, yes, they're a powerhouse team in the AL, but they're coming to Philadelphia, and they're not going to be ready for what Philly has to bring to the to the table.
2: Yeah, they're not ready for, uh, as Ali said, bringing it to the table. It's, it's a little different when you play in a dome versus the natural elements. Obviously, Allie being a Packers fan, Lambeau in January is a bit brutal, so you got to deal with it. The Astros, three straight games in Philadelphia, and I know that the fans will be uh, reminding the Astros about what happened during their first World Series uh, with a little cheating scandal. I know they'll bring that up more than once. Uh, Nick i'll go to you your thoughts on game three tonight do you think that the Phillies can pull away from the astros do you think this will um each team will win one like you know back and forth um who, who do you think has momentum right now
4: I think that the rule of with the MLB with that you go two for whoever the top seed is and then three straight at the other team, I think that rule is beyond stupid (laughs) because when you really think about it, Philly and their home field advantage, it really means a lot to a team like Philly. Citizens Bank Park, I mean, they're rocking every single game. And it team like the Astros, who doesn't have that dedicated of a fan base compared to the Phillies, it's really going to play effect on them, especially to what you said, Larry. You're not playing in a dome anymore, yeah. so the elements are going to get to you. And three straight games, the Phillies, technically with this series tied at one, can win it in Philly. So even though the Astros were the one seed, I mean, three straight games in Philly, I thought the Astros were going to win this series, but still, Philly has so much momentum heading into Citizens Bank for three straight games.
2: Yeah, and really the only two games the Phillies have lost in this postseason were Game 2s on the road in Atlanta and in San Diego, and they're undefeated at home. Danny, I'll go to you, assuming we got our technical difficulties all figured out. Your thoughts on tonight's game. Do you think the Phillies um, are going to pull away from the Astros considering the long homestand, or do you think the Astros can make this an interesting series?
1: You know, Larry, I definitely sure hope so. It's the point where in this series, as Nick mentioned, the Phillies' home stand and the, and the, you know them being at Citizens Bank Park is so key. So these next three games, they're going to have to at least win two out of three if they really want to yeah. come away with the World Series championship in this one. And I think that that starts tonight. I like the start of Syndergaard here in Game Three because you know you, you really look at it and you see Ranger Suarez against a lineup who, aside from Jordan Alvarez, is basically righty dominant. So. I like Syndergaard here, but you have to wonder how many innings he's going to give you. Yeah, Really, the result of this game is going to bank on what happens with Syndergaard, how many innings he gives you, how productive he is, and then obviously who follows behind him. I mean, we had a lot of guys pitching game one of the World Series, so obviously the bullpen was depleted, but now with that day off, they can kind of replenish. So I think really it's going to come down to we know the bats are going to hit in this atmosphere at Citizens Bank Park, but can the pitching show up and can Syndergaard stay at least – you know, consistent enough to keep them in the ball game. Two, maybe one run would be nice, but uh, you know, we'll obviously see in a few hours. But I think they just put the tarp on the field, so I'm, I'm not quite sure what's going to go on.
2: Nick, you got something?
4: Yeah, I think that in terms of this game, uh, or at least for game three, whoever wins this game, whether it's the Astros or the Phillies, if the Phillies win it, I feel like they have all the momentum in the world. If you're the Astros, you don't have that momentum still because you still have to play a Citizens Bank and you still have to play three straight games for the four citizens bank in philadelphia
2: yeah some good points there i actually um for the both world series uh for games one and two i was at um rivers casino in philadelphia not for the whole game but for part of the game i was there in game one when jt hit that home run in the 10th inning and oh my gosh the scene like exploded so it was it was great to watch I'm interested to see, as uh, as Danny brought up with Cindergard uh, on the mound tonight, you know, Nola and Wheeler are this team's two aces, and they got destroyed in Game 1 and 2. Nola in Game 1 gave up six hits and five runs. Wheeler in Game 2, six hits and five runs. So a lot a lot of questions. Hopefully Cindergard can get it done. But Game 3, I think this is the turning point in the series, and we'll see how that goes in a few hours. And then something I saw as well, I don't know if you guys are buying into all this. So there, they said on the broadcast the other night how, um, let me see, Martin Maldonado was using an illegal bat in Game 1 that was given to him by Albert Pujols. Apparently there was this rule that went into effect that Pujols could use the bat, but Maldonado couldn't, like he was grandfathered in or something, and they, they fixed that. And then apparently from Valdez, the pitcher for the Astros, people were saying, oh, he's rubbing his hand and he's rubbing his hair after every pitch. Is there, are they cheating again? Allie, do you think the Astros are uh, up to their old tricks again?
3: I mean, the allegations, that's a little weird. I i think it might just be people putting theories together, but I wouldn't be surprised for Astros standards If they are cheating again, I mean, let's be real here. They're like the Patriots of the MLB. They are always up to something. Mm -hmm. But at this point, I think it just might be fans being like, oh, this player's doing something weird. Let's focus on him and say he's cheated. His shoe is untied. He's cheated. It's just weird. I'm not fully buying it, but I wouldn't be surprised.
2: I think the Phillies fans are going to bring out some trash can memes or they're actually going to bring some trash cans or you steal one from the bathrooms. So I, I don't know. There, Something's going to uh, happen, I think, in regards to that. So I'm, I'm very interested to see that. Nick, don't you have tickets or something to one of these games?
4: Yeah, I have tickets. So my friend won a lottery to go to game five Locky. if necessary, which it is happening. So Citizens Bank, technically they could win it when I'm there. And I'm not even a Phillies fan. So, I mean, I just want to see kind of the whole thing go down. But as a non Phillies fan, I, I really, it doesn't affect me. So,
2: but it's you're, such a waste. but you could be there. You could be I there. Know, I know. Could you imagine that scene just exploding? Like, either, well, let's see, bottom of the ninth inning. So, um, we'd be on defense. It wouldn't be like, oh, Harper hits a grand slam or something. Yeah. No. All right. So, I mean, we could get Brad Lidge 2.0. I don't know. Danny just said, what a waste. Very good, Mr. <laughs> Mister Ryan. Very nice. All right, so then to wrap up our MLB segment before we go to the NFL. So the Oakland Athletics apparently are looking pretty ready to move to the Sin City. They're looking to move to Las Vegas. According to Rob Manfred, the MLB commissioner, uh, he was on a podcast I believe a couple days ago or a week or so ago. Uh, apparently the A's, their attendance is beyond garbage right now. Uh, They were averaging about 9,800 fans per game, which is dead last in the league. That's the lowest average in baseball since the Expos moved to Washington. So if that tells you anything, uh, the Montreal Expos um, went by the wayside in 04 and then became the Washington Nationals. And apparently the Athletics, their lease at the Coliseum in Oakland ends after the 2024 season. Danny, I'll go to you. What are your thoughts on the Oakland Athletics? Do you think that it is really the time for them to hit the road and go to the Sin City?
1: Uh, You know, that's definitely a tough question because you think about it and at first glance at the question you think, all right, yeah, it makes sense because the Oakland Raiders went to Las Vegas or not the Las Vegas Raiders, and you could really establish a a fan base, a passionate fan base at that in Las Vegas. But at the same time, I mean – I don't know. I, I've always liked that we've had a, you know, professional sports teams in Oakland. I know there's a lot of California teams, but it seems like a forgotten area. You know, Obviously, you have Golden State Warriors, and they're kind of towards Oakland, towards the Bay. So they're still being represented a little bit, obviously, with Golden State just winning the NBA championship last year. But at the same time, I, you know, I'm conflicted. I, I don't hate it because I like these expansion teams or in the sense that you're rebranding these teams. Um, but at the same time, you know, they finally got the Coliseum to themselves. You can see where I'm torn, but I I don't hate it. It's just a lot of the Oakland fans are obviously going to be upset. They've been diehards for who knows how many years.
2: Yeah, we've seen these moves over the years, like Danny said, with the Warriors moving to San Francisco last year. The Raiders uh, went to Las Vegas. Las Vegas is really expanding their sports preferences. So now you have the Raiders, you have the Golden Knights, you might have the Athletics. Um, Maybe we'll get a basketball team there. Uh, Who am I thinking of that maybe they're on the move to? I don't know. I mean... At this point, maybe a expansion team. Maybe get the Supersonics in Las Vegas. So that would be kind of interesting. So we have um, a lot going on in Las Vegas. Allie, do you think that the A's, with their dwindling attendance, and what I said about the Expos going to Washington, do you think this is a, a repeat of history? Do you think the uh, Athletics are ready to hit the road?
3: I mean, if anything, I feel bad for Oakland because – within three or four years they're losing their two biggest sports markets if thing, if you want to keep the a's in oakland just rebuild the stadium i know it's going to take a lot of money but having your sports team leave and follow the raiders path that's really hard and when the raiders first moved to vegas they didn't have a big following There were, what, like five people at the draft party?
2: Yeah, probably.
3: So I don't know how I feel about this. Like, like where exactly are you going to fit a baseball stadium in Las Vegas?
2: I don't know. Could you imagine, though? Could you imagine if any of the Philly teams threatened the move? That would be pandemonium in the streets of Philadelphia. Nick, um, to wrap up our final thoughts on this topic – do you think the A's, it's like time to get out of there and move to a bigger market in Los Well, a more sports-ready market, I could say, um, to Las Vegas. I mean, the Oakland A's, the dwindling attendance, and a lot of fans think it's time. And we've seen over the years, too, the Rams going from St. Louis to Los Angeles. We've seen the Chargers take their 10 fans from San Diego to Los Angeles. So, Nick, is it time for the A's to say, see you, Oakland?
4: Yeah, you talked about the dwindling attendance. I think that their lowest number was like 3,000 fans. I did see that. Yeah, (laughs) it it was something crazy. So, I mean, at least on a fan base side, they're really not losing much just because you're going away from 3,000 fans. You're going to Vegas, who has a huge sports market. They follow the Raiders, who already has the Golden Knights, So. I mean, ticket prices, you look at the ticket prices for like Raiders games and Golden Knights games, all the Raiders aren't that good. The prices are like $600 oh my to go sit in the nosebleed. So Stop. you're going to get more of an attendance. The Athletics, although they're not good in a couple of years, especially in Vegas, they could attract the following. I think it's a smart move. It just kind of stinks for those 3,000 A's fans.
2: We're going to talk about the Raiders uh, in our NFL segment. Why would I pay $600 to see the Raiders right now? Like that why i'd rather go sit in like you could get like okay yesterday the eagles game against the steelers i was seeing tickets at like 300 i could have easily moved up a few um few hundred rows or something at an eagles game than see the raiders so we'll see if the a's move i think it's kind of likely at this point if the commissioner's saying it i think it's all but a sure bet all right, so we're going to take a quick step off and then we will segue into our NFL segment. But first, we have to check the WGLS campus calendar. Rowan University's Department of Public Safety would like to remind everyone in the Rowan community about the importance of pedestrian safety, especially while crossing Route 322. Motorists who fail to stop for pedestrians face serious fines. Please follow state law and stop for pedestrians. For questions about public safety, call 856 256 4922. This campus calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for campus news and information. We'll be right back after these messages.
0: WGLS-FM programming is made possible in part by Inspira Health. Getting sick is never convenient, especially while you're juggling a full course load, a job, an internship, or all three. The Mayan app allows you to access care at home, between classes, or on the go. Services include consulting board-certified doctors by phone or video chat to get a quick diagnosis and treatment for non-emergency medical issues from acne to the flu. You can see a doctor immediately or select a time for your virtual visit that works for you and your schedule. You can download the Mayan app to get started today. And Spirit Health is a proud supporter of the programming on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.
2: Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. You're listening to another Monday edition of Offsides here on Rowan Radio Channel 2. I'm Larry Dielman, your Monday host for this semester, and I'm joined by Nick Carlson, Ali Pontano, and Danny Ryan here on this Halloween edition of Offsides. All right, so we just got done talking about the MLB. Hopefully the Phillies can pull a win tonight in uh, Philadelphia against the Astros. All right, so now our NFL segment. We'll start off with our usual Week 8 reactions. Well, week insert week here, I guess, but it's Week 8. And we're going to talk about it. So, obviously, we will get to Monday Night Football in just a few moments. But just looking at some of the games that happened yesterday. So, the Eagles are 7-0 and after beating the Steelers in Philadelphia by a score of 35-13. to It got close toward the beginning. It was like 7-7. to But the Eagles absolutely destroyed the Steelers after a few A.J. Brown uh, touchdowns. He had a hat trick in the first half. Danny, I'll go to you first. Do you believe that the Eagles are the team to be in the NFL? Maybe are uh, are the Bills maybe threatening? Do you think the Cowboys have a chance? Um, what do you see from this Eagles team right now?
1: I mean, I think, yeah, you definitely have to go with the Eagles right now as the team to be in the NFL. I mean, they're the only undefeated team, so whether or not they're the best team in the NFL – the record says it right now. So you have to say that, you know, they're obviously the best team, but don't get me wrong. The bills are right there. I actually said to Connor, uh, Connor Brown yesterday of the sports department, I said that, you know, the bills are the type of team that you, you know, if you tuned into the chiefs a few years ago, I mean, even a few chiefs games now, but they could have an explosive play every single time they drop back to pass Eagles aren't necessarily like that. I would say, I wouldn't say because of how much they, you know, mixed in the run and it's kind of like a, a yep. slow paced offense, but at the same time, yesterday, I mean, we saw a lot of deep balls to A.J. Brown. He made nearly every pass look identical with how much he was just how much separation he was getting, how he was catching the ball with ease. So really a, a nice game from the Eagles, a game that they expected to win. A lot of people were concerned about how they'd play uh, out of the bye week. But really, you know, I, I, I'm not surprised at all to see them beat up on the Steelers. Uh, Kenny Pickett tried his best, but he really does not have a good offensive line back there. So he can't really do much.
2: You have some good points there, and I'm looking at the NFC East standings right now. I'm so glad the Giants finally lost. The Giants and the Cowboys have been absolutely creeping up on the Eagles. It's like every time the Eagles win, they win as well. And it's been over the years, too, as an Eagles fan. I always see this pattern. We win, they win. We lose, they lose. We lose, they win. So it's always this this formula that that they keep following. So the Giants uh, lost one yesterday, so the Eagles right now uh, sitting a few games above the Cowboys and the Giants. The Commanders are way at the bottom of the standings with Taylor Heineke, so they are not really a threat to anybody right now. Uh, Nick, I'll go to you. Eagles 7-0. and Looking ahead, they have a Thursday night game uh, this week against the Houston Texans, and then they get a nice little mini-ish bye week, uh, and then they have a Monday night football game against Washington. So, do you think this Eagles team could theoretically be 10, 11, maybe even 12-0 and 0 before we start seeing a loss or two? Uh,
4: I've been saying it for two weeks now. The Eagles are going to go... They're going to have one loss the whole entire year. Uh, they're going to lose to the Giants in the final uh, game of the season because they're going to be undefeated and they're going to rest all their starters. That's fair. I think that what's going to happen is that the Eagles, who... I've been saying it the whole time... I'm still not sold on them, although Jalen Hurts has looked so good and that defense has looked so good. I mean, they're up by like four touchdowns in every single game. I have yet to see them kind of fight back from something. I guess you could say the Jaguars game, it was down 14-0, but that was with 10 minutes left to go in the first in the first quarter. I think this Eagles team is very good, but when you run into a team like the Buccaneers, you're going to run into the Bills or the Chiefs at some point. They're going to make it out of the NFC. Realistically, the Eagles most likely will be in the Super Bowl just because they have no competition. It's just on the other side. Teams like the Bills, the Chiefs, the Ravens. I don't know if the Eagles can beat them, and we'll never know until
2: we get to February. It's Interesting points there. I'm looking at the Eagles' remaining schedule in terms of teams in the AFC. Let's see. One, two, three. Three teams that they face in the AFC. The Texans, the Colts, and the Titans. So, the Texans, that should be a free win. The Colts could theoretically do something. Obviously, Matt Ryan is benched for the season. And then the Titans, they're they are always hovering around 500. They won't wow you per se, but they're not a doormat, I guess, uh, I guess if you want to put it that way. None of us are really AFC South fans. Um, Nick, oh, you're a Browns fan. That's AFC North. Never mind. Uh, Allie, I'll go to you. So let's, let's actually go to another game. So I know we'll, we'll skip the Packers. I know how you feel about them.
3: That team is dead. Yeah.
2: So how do the Falcons have the NFC South lead? We saw the Panthers of all teams. So P.J. Walker made an insane 62-yard Hail Mary uh, to tie the game. And then D.J. Moore committed a dumb, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. The Falcons lead the NFC South F4 and 4. Why what what are the why? Just why?
3: I wish I had answers for you. It, if anything it goes to prove how weak that division is. Yeah. Like if you're at 500 and you're in first place, that means all the rest of the teams have really bad records and You're just lucky to be alive at this point.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, the Falcons, uh, a lot of people had them hovering around, I guess, three or four wins. I actually did an NFL records prediction. I went through every single game of the regular season and made a prediction. I had the Falcons winning like one or two games. So I'm very surprised at this. And yesterday's game was for the division lead, by the way. So if the Panthers would have won, they probably would have the lead right now. And we'll talk about Tom Brady in just a few moments, uh, about his personal life. But it's just it's just so interesting to see the NFC South looking like the NFC East from a few years ago. Everybody made fun of us, like, oh, the NFC East. Yeah, go look at the NFC South right about now. The Saints have been injured right now. And, I mean, who are they starting? Andy Dalton at quarterback, and they have Dennis Allen as their coach. So a lot of growing pains for them. The Falcons, we thought, were in a rebuilding mode. Uh, the Panthers, nobody's afraid of the Panthers, and the Buccaneers have been in a free fall. Uh, they've given up more points than scored, so I don't know what's going on in the NFC South. We'll see. The Buccaneers should, there's a key word, should get back on track, but a uh, lot of lot of drama going on in the NFC South. And then, as I said a few moments ago, the Raiders shut out by the Saints, Danny, what on God's earth are the Raiders doing? You have Derek Carr. You have Devontae Adams. They're a college tandem at quarterback and receiver. So why is this team just not working right now?
1: Honestly, <clears throat> I could not quite tell you. It really shocks me because of how good of a year Josh Jacobs is having as well. And Devontae Adams really was proving to that, you know, everyone in the NFL, NFL fans, that he was not made by Aaron Rodgers, he was actually the talented receiver that uh, he seemed to be. So I, I don't know why they can't put it together. You know, when you were uh, talking about the NFC East and how people thought that division was going to be weak and that, you know, divisions like the AFC West were going to be dominant. Well, the Raiders, like you said, haven't really performed well Sit so at the bottom of the AFC West at two and five. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I, I don't know. I agree with you, Larry. It's There's too much talent in that roster for them to be sitting at 2-5, and five, but the same thing can be said for the Broncos, who sit at 3-5 and five right ahead of them. Oh, yeah, so the true. AFC West, not really as strong as a lot of people thought. Broncos coming off a London win, beating the Jaguars by four points, a team that the Houston Texans beat. So I don't know how much of an accomplishment that is. But, yeah, the Raiders, I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's coaching. Uh, I could definitely see that being, you know, obviously Josh McDaniels has not had that much success coaching in the NFL but before I uh, flip it back over to you Larry how about them Packers Allie how about them <laughs> Packers come, come on. on
3: man come on you have to do me like that honestly I was surprised it wasn't a 56 nothing blowout so,
1: listen, you need to trade for a receiver ASAP. Before
2: yeah, Your I'm well
3: aware of that. The
2: in core was either injured or ejected, and you guys somehow lost by, what, like five points or something? Ten. Ten, okay, that's pretty impressive. That's, that's very impressive. That, that's
3: what I'm saying. I'm kind of happy with the loss because it easily could have been a 56 nothing blowout, but
1: yeah.
3: I need a receiver. Like, can anyone give me a receiver? DJ Moore. Or anyone. Hello. Aaron. Like, how about Aaron
1: Jones? He had a great night.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Jonesy. He's. He's really doing it. But like. It's the Bills. Like. It's the Bills. I'll Aaron. Like can, all Aaron
2: Rodgers can just like throw to himself at this point. I mean. I think he could probably catch better.
3: Yes. It's. I feel like it's going to be a repeat of 2015. He was. The top receiver. The top runner. And the quarterback. On the roster. For like the back half of the season
2: yeah so we'll see what the uh packers can do uh do you know who your next game is against detroit uh in green bay or detroit
3: at detroit
2: okay i mean they've been they've been kind of in a free fall right now i'm very surprised so you know we'll we'll see what happens there um
3: and then we got dallas after that so oh yeah
2: the cowboys interesting so we'll, we'll definitely see how that all works out. I think the Packers could get back on track, um, but we'll just have to see in Week 9 and beyond. All right, so moving on to our next segment here in the NFL. So Tom Brady and Giselle Bundchen have officially divorced um, after 13 years of marriage. And as we just said, the Buccaneers are 3-5 and on the season. They trail the Falcons, of all people, for the division lead. Nick, I'll go to you first. Obviously, it doesn't seem like the Buccaneers are on their A game this year. Do you think that Brady's family life is the main reason why the Buccaneers are struggling so much? I'd say that's probably a
4: good portion of it. I think that the Buccaneers just can't get it together, whether it's defensively, also offensively. I mean, Tom Brady just looks out of sync with everyone, but also, I mean, Mike Evans dropped, like, what, a wide-open walk-in touchdown? You never see Mike Evans do that. You never see any of these receivers make the type of mistakes that they're making. I definitely say that the -the off-the-field issues are a big part of it, so I don't know, does he stay for another year? Does he retire? He has so much going on that I feel like he can't juggle all of it that I really have no idea what to make of the Bucs because I always think, hey, they have Tom Brady. They're always going to make a comeback.
2: Yeah, some good points there. Obviously, they uh, they said on social media that this was an amicable um, split. I think with Giselle, she just wanted to focus more on the family life, and she's always afraid of Tom and his, his health by getting you know hit and tackled so much in football, and Brady just has that drive. He just will not quit. Allie, do you believe that Brady and his personal life is why the Buccaneers – are struggling so much we've seen he's been kind of um I guess it's not his normal press conferences are usually like um have they that they haven't been normal this year I don't think he's uh, he's taken a lot of days off and he took his family on vacation before the season started so what do you make of all of this
3: I mean I'm gonna have to agree with Nick it's a big portion of what's happening I mean also he's the quarterback. He's the captain. He's the oldest player in the NFL right now. So it's definitely a big portion of what's going on and also his ego playing a part of it. But it also goes back to coaching. I mean, Bowles is a defensive minded coach. When you're having your top guy on the offense, having a mental breakdown every game, you're not really thinking offensively. You're like, okay, I got to get my linebacking core able to hit so-and-so and and cover or yada yada. But Mm -hmm. Brady, on the other hand, like, if anything, he should just, like, play half games if he can't play full games. They should switch the backup in with him either in the second half or the first half, depending on which way the game is going. I personally think he's going to retire at the end of the season just because of how the media is sinking into his personal life at this point.
2: Yeah, I think that the football and the family life was just too much for both uh, Giselle and Tom. Obviously, he re- uh, Tom Brady retired at the end of last season for about five minutes and then changed his mind. Um, he is now back in his 23rd season, which is still unbelievable to think about. But then, then again, given given his TB12 diet, I guess it's not so surprising at this point. Even though players back in like you know the pre 50s were going into their 40s as well, so um, very impressive from Brady. But obviously, I think his family life, um, his family life issues are taking a toll on him, and obviously his marriage um is official you know officially split now so we'll see uh if this takes a toll on the rest of the season or if he decides to hang up his cleats at the end of the season but I think the reason why he came back I think in his mind he wants to end on a Super Bowl Peyton Manning went out with a Super Bowl win I mean he was carried by his defense of course but he he went out with the Super Bowl. Super Bowl 50, you win, goodbye. Brady, how did you end last year? You almost choked like a 28-3 lead against the Rams at home. So I, I think that has something to do with it, but we will see uh, how Brady goes for the rest of the year, and maybe will he continue playing into next season as well. All right, to wrap up our NFL segment, before we go to break, A quick talk about Monday night football, you know, because there's actually football tonight. It's not just Halloween and the World Series, you know. All right, so Bengals at Browns. We have an AFC North rivalry. I know Nick is uh, salivating at the chance to talk about this one. So the Browns would, uh, a Browns win would snap a four game losing streak and put them at three and five. A Bengals win would tie them with the Ravens. For the division lead at 5-3, and three, although the Ravens, uh, they do hold that tiebreaker because of an earlier victory against them. So, and the Browns also, this is another thing that I don't think anybody's been talking about lately. Only three more games after this game, three more games without Deshaun Watson. So that has, that is a key factor. The Browns right now at 2-5. and five. Jacoby Brissett right now not getting it done. Nick, I'll go to you first. Do you see this as an easy Browns victory? Could this be close? Uh, What's your overall assessment on Cleveland?
4: Uh, It's going to be like Bengals by a million. Um, (laughs) Even though it's in Cleveland, Cleveland is missing nine out of their potential 22 starters. So you want to talk about offensive line, Nick Chubb's not going to be able to run the ball. They have three other offensive linemen out. The whole secondary is completely depleted. And you have no momentum because Jacoby Brissett really, besides those first maybe two or three games, I'd say the Jets game just completely derailed this whole entire Cleveland team, uh, especially blowing a 31-17 to point lead. I feel like for the most part, this Browns team is just kind of waiting around for Deshaun Watson. I feel like for tonight, though, against a very, very, I would say good Bengals team who has really come into their own after kind of a slow start. I really see no way that the Browns can really win this game, unless by the grace of God,
2: Nick <laughs> Chubb or Kareem Hunt just really turn it on. I mean, could Kareem Hunt be traded by tomorrow? We'll see. Um, I know a lot of Eagles rumors for Kareem Hunt as well. Danny, I'll go to you. AFC North rivalry, Browns and Bengals. Do you agree with Nick that... The Browns, you know, the reason that they're going back and forth in the win-loss column is that they are just um, putting in the minimum effort until Deshaun Watson comes back?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's tough to really evaluate it in that sense because Jacoby Reset is only going to bring you so far in this offense. He's really just a game manager. He's not going to really do anything crazy until, you know, maybe in crunch time he can whip out a few plays, but at the same time, He's not going to be this guy who's going to have a ton of potential to take the you know the top off the place and uh, you know just reach back for a big play. So I don't know that they're giving minimal effort until Deshaun Watson gets back. I think they're definitely trying for Brissett. I think they're definitely trying to to compete. I don't really agree with Nick that it's going to be Bengals by a million because I mean the Browns game or the Browns run game I should say. It is extremely good, and I think that if you get Kareem Hunt a little bit more involved, specifically in the passing game, that they definitely could come away with a win tonight. But I will still take the Bengals by, I'll say, a touchdown and a field goal.
2: All right, Danny, going with Cincinnati. Allie, do you have a winner in tonight's game? It is in Cleveland. Uh, The Bengals, obviously, coming off that Super Bowl loss last year, do you see this as a uh, clear cut winner by any team?
3: I have to go with Cincinnati also. I see it as a tight game because for stars, it's in Cleveland. The Browns are going to look to somehow have home field advantage, but it's Jacoby Brissett and your game plan at this point is to run down the mill with Nick Chubb, and I feel like the Bengals are going to pick up on that real quickly in the first half.
2: Yeah, some good points there. I think I'll go with the Bengals as well. All right, so we are done our NFL segment, and after the break, we will wrap up with the NBA segment, and then we'll get to a Halloween special of our top five. But first, let's take a look at the WGLS community calendar. The Samaritan Center is a program that helps Glassboro residents with economic difficulties by providing free food once a month. You can give back to your community by donating food, clothes, or by volunteering your time. Email Foodbank at gmail.com or visit online at GlassboroFoodBank.org for more information. This community calendar is brought to you by Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM, your source for community news and information. We'll be right back after these messages. <laughs>
0: WGLS-FM programming is made possible in part by Inspira Health. Getting sick is never convenient, especially while you're juggling a full course load, a job, an internship, or all three. The My Inspira app allows you to access care at home, between classes, or on the go. Services include consulting board-certified doctors by phone or video chat to get a quick diagnosis and treatment for non-emergency medical issues from acne to the flu. You can see a doctor immediately or select a time for your virtual visit that works for you and your schedule. You can download the My Inspirit app to get started today. Inspire Health is a proud supporter of the programming on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.
2: Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS FM. You're tuned to another Monday edition of Offsides Sides here on Rowan Radio Channel Two. I'm Larry Dealman, your Monday host for this semester, and I'm joined by Danny Ryan, Ali Pontano, and Nick Carlson. So before we get to before we get to our NBA segment, wake up with Rowan Radio for the early bird special. Every weekday starting at 7 a.m., our hosts will help you get through your morning with entertaining stories and special giveaways, plus news, weather, traffic, and, of course, the music that matters. Start your day off right with the early bird special every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m., only on Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM, and online at rowanradio.com. All right, so we are in our NBA segment now after talking about the MLB and the NFL, we're going to get into a topic a little more serious than some of our other lighthearted topics that we usually talk about. So here we go. Kyrie Irving is in some hot water right now after promoting a book slash a film that has some anti-Semitism attached to it. And we saw Deshaun Jackson of the NFL do something similar a few years ago. Uh, falsely quoting adolf hitler and promoting a an extremist lewis farrakhan so we've seen this before and it's just something that i feel needs to be discussed danny i'll go to you first how do you think sports leagues can prevent players from being insensitive like this do you think that maybe um some training or uh like a quick course could help with this and how do you think we could just prevent all this
1: Oh, man. I mean, that's that's the, the question of the hour, I suppose, when it comes to this kind of stuff, because, you know, you see a lot of stuff with Kanye West really happening as far as anti-Semitism goes. And then obviously Kyrie Irving, like you just mentioned, I don't think there honestly is a method to stop all of it, because let's be honest, you you know, for players like Antonio Brown, Kyrie Irving, you can't stop that type of thing from happening with them because they're going to do what they want. They're independent. They make it clear they don't care what other people say they're going to be who they are and so you know when it comes to people like that you can't really stop it you can't really in my eyes try and you know give them training to change their mindset on that so they're going to do what they want and Kyrie kind of came out and said you know obviously I didn't I don't promote that type of stuff but you know it, it was just promoting the movie in general not the content or something i, I don't even know with him these days but i'm not quite sure you know why we even have to talk about this these days? I wish everyone could just kind of you know do what they have to do and and be nice, but unfortunately that's not the way it is.
2: Yeah, some good points there. And actually, going back to the uh, to the Deshaun Jackson incident, he actually had a chat with a Holocaust survivor. His name was Edward Mossberg, and Deshaun Jackson. I'm not sure if he actually did it, but he did agree to visit the Auschwitz museum on the site of Auschwitz over in Europe. So that is something that I feel would be good for someone who unfortunately makes an error or a um, controversial statement like this. Kyrie Irving did get into a heated discussion with a reporter the other day uh, talking about this. And like Danny said, uh, Kyrie said he did not um, align with the views of Alex Jones, who is a conspiracy theorist. But just, I guess, the content of the tweet or the book, there were some points I guess he kind of agreed with there Nick I'll go to you what are your thoughts on um, all of this you know controversy from players and we saw with Kyrie with this anti-semitism how do you think that the professional sports leagues can prevent players from all this insensitivity
4: Uh, I agree with what Danny said I I really don't think that you can you could try to make them take courses and classes and try to maybe set up lectures, but I agree with Danny. Guys like Antonio Brown, Kyrie Irving, they really just do whatever they want. They're one of the top in the sport, and they kind of, I wouldn't say get a big ego, but I I guess you could say get a big ego, and they just say, hey, I'm just going to do whatever I want because I already have a lot of money. I'm already one of the top people. So I feel like guys like that just do whatever they want, and us as fans, we see it and we're like, hey, that's that's not right, but they don't really care because – they're already above us and that's the way that they see it. So I don't really know if there's a way you can stop it. It just stinks to see that we still talk about this stuff today when it really shouldn't be
2: happening. Allie, you got anything to add to that?
3: Yeah, I'm just going along the lines of Danny and Nick. There's no stopping it because it's their own freedom. I mean, freedom of speech. You can't take that away. But it wouldn't hurt like before an interview and you say you knew you're going into an interview with a sensitive topic just imagine hey don't bring up this go around it but can't bring it up I I don't know like guys will say whatever they want to the fines won't really matter to them it'll be like a slap on the wrist but even if they like take like a Field trip or pilgrimage to like where, like the center of where their topic of concern is, like yeah. Deshaun Jackson, and, and talk it to a Holocaust survivor and going to Auschwitz Museum. Maybe that will enlighten some people, but guys will just say and do whatever they want to.
2: Yeah, some good points from all three of you. I think that. Maybe in this like day and age, you know, this is two thousand twenty-two. This isn't like the nineteen, you know, forties anymore. I think in two thousand twenty-two, I don't think that. I mean, actually, let me rephrase that. I think that uh, sensitivity classes or just a lecture would probably be a good idea. It doesn't have to be like you know a six-week course or like a you must get a ninety out of one hundred on this test for you to pass it. No, I think just um, having the players, you know be um what's the word i'm looking for to uh, to teach themselves like let um you know you know what i'm talking about okay. they need to like Good. what open minded yeah be more open minded and um you know just open your minds to these kind of things i remember the sixers doc rivers had the the team visit this i think it was like an african american museum or something and that was uh interesting to see them do and they didn't have to do it but they did do it so i think you know, like Ali said, you know, freedom of speech, it's not something that we can just take away. And the, um, the uh, Constitution, it's like the, the First Amendment, you know, freedom of speech, it's very vague. So you can't just say, yeah, you can't say that because because I said so. So I think that, unfortunately, this may continue to happen, but hopefully we can prevent more incidents like this in the future. All right, so going into our next topic in the NBA, a little more lighthearted, I guess you could say. So the NBA has plans to redo the salary cap in the next collective bargaining agreement. So apparently the NBA wants to replace the luxury tax with a hard limit. And let me, let me kind of give you some background on this. So apparently this would be so teams couldn't exceed that certain limit to pay player salaries And the players union is actually resisting this. The collective bargaining agreement expires after the 23-24 season. And basically, this whole thing is because teams like the Warriors, Nets, and the Clippers are running up the payroll with all these extensions and re-signing their superstars. And the luxury tax, for those of you that do not know, the luxury tax basically ensures that the large market teams don't hog all the money in the players. It kind of somewhat evenly distributes money but you have to pay a certain um a fee if you go over that limit danny i'll go to you first what do you think of this like changing the salary cap in the collective bargaining agreement do you think that teams like the warriors and the nets are unfairly getting all these superstars you know just because they're in the big markets
1: um I yeah, I think for certain big markets it's definitely a problem in the sense that if you're in New York, even Philadelphia to an extent, Boston obviously, and certain markets in California, it can definitely be an advantage. But at the same time I think that it's nice that they're using, you know, their markets to their advantage. So with that being said, I think that you know, I don't know if, if that, that cap is the right thing to do. You know, I don't think if that that, that would be the, the perfect thing to do in the NBA because I like seeing these competitive roster moves. Not not as often as they're happening right now, but I, I do like seeing, you know, players move from team to team from time to time, you know, you know what I mean? So yeah. uh, I don't like seeing Kevin Durant move from team to team every three or four years, but at the same time, yeah. I like seeing teams being able to make certain moves they have to in order to improve. Uh, the quality of the product on the court. So, long story short, I understand why they're doing it, but at the same time, I like seeing you know flexibility within these cap rooms to make the moves in order to uh, win a championship.
2: That is no cap. I <laughs> see what I did there. All right, so <laughs> thank you, Allie, for actually laughing what at that. A, what a dad joke. I know. I know. I'm so. I'm so. <laughs> I'm, I'm so lame. I know. Allie, I'll go to you. Do you think that? This is a good move by the NBA to go from a luxury tax to a hard limit where I guess everybody would be, you can't go over this limit or else kind of thing because we see these big market teams you know, hawking all the good players. You think about it, if you're an NBA player or just a player in any sport, do you really, do you really think and say, oh, wow, I want to go to the Pacers or, oh, my goodness, I want to go to, I don't know, I want to go to the Kings. So... Do you think a hard limit, like a do not exceed this um, number, do you think that's a good idea for the league?
3: Yeah, to a certain extent. Like, it definitely gives the smaller teams a better shot at signing the superstars. But for the larger teams, it kind of makes them nervous because, yeah. all right, the Milwaukee Bucks, Giannis Kumbo is going to be coming up in, for a contract extension in the near future. So big-time player, big-time money, what are they going to do if this is in play? You're either going to have to pay him or you're going to have to send him elsewhere. Or the 76ers with Joel and James Harden and so forth and so on. It just puts into perspective of how much these players make and how much of the salary cap their paycheck is. But for the smaller teams, it gives them more of a chance. Like, oh, hey, Anthony Davis or LeBron James or Steph Curry or Giannis, they're on the market. We have enough money to come get them, and we can build our franchise to what it once was.
2: Yeah, some good points there. And like you said with uh, Giannis, I don't think he's going anywhere. I think he says he wants to be with the Bucks. I mean, they're the team that drafted him. And, you know, he started out in the NBA as a twig. Like, he was so skinny and barely getting any minutes. And now he's a two-time MVP and uh, on the path to be a first-battle Hall of Famer. So, Oh, yeah, for sure. And well, I love what yeah.
3: the Bucks are doing. They're bringing his brothers to come play with him.
2: Thanassis is a uh, bench player pretty much for the Bucks. Costas, I don't think, is there and Alex is he floating G around? League. Oh, Alex is in the G League? Costas was on the no, Lakers Costas. when he was on the Lakers yes. when they won. Okay. Yes. Yeah, Giannis's brothers are floating around too. I know Thanasis is on the Bucks, so that's definitely good. I think that they can uh keep the on the Kumbo brothers um all, all around there, especially in Milwaukee. And speaking of all of this with the salary cap thing and signing different players, Nick, I'll throw you this question. So apparently the Sixers uh, lost two second-round picks, one in 2023 and one in 2024, for premature free agency talks last offseason. We saw the P.J. Tucker... Uh, signing kind of set the alarm bells off in Adam Silver's office like ooh the Sixers are doing something better go flag them down and the NBA is also looking into the New York Knicks or whether they tampered with Jalen Brunson during free agency so we just said about signing players you know giving them better chance with the the market and the salary cap what do you make of all this with you know, with, with tampering, is this how some teams have to go in order to get big-time players?
4: Uh, yeah, mostly because I feel like the tampering penalty isn't that crazy. I mean, what was it for the Sixers and P.J. Tucker, like a second-round pick? Two second-round picks. I mean, let's just say, for whatever reason, like Kevin Durant goes somewhere, and then the next thing you know, a team finds out that they're tampering with Kevin Durant and you just get your second-round pick taken away. I mean, would you rather have Kevin Durant or the second-round pick? Oh, yeah, that's true. And I know that Adam Silver would probably enforce that penalty a little more and say, maybe it's two first-round picks. But, I mean, still, two first-round picks for Kevin Durant, especially if you're like a team like the Grizzlies, who are kind of almost just about there, I would take it if you're a team like the Grizzlies. I feel like they got to enforce more of these penalties. And just to go back to about the cap situation with uh, the luxury tax, I like it to a certain degree. It gives the littler teams the chance but to go back to kind of what you all were saying, I feel like everyone moving around, in theory, it makes sense. But I don't know. I'd have to see it to kind of play out as kind of over this next couple of years with the CBA. Yeah, we'll
2: see what the CBA holds in the next few years uh, after the 2023 uh, 24 NBA season. So that is after next season. We will see how that goes, and I've been also hearing how uh, the whole uh, the Ben Simmons thing with you know how he wasn't playing and all that stuff he he'll have a factor in that as well. CBA coming in the next few years. All right, so we will go right into our top five. That's going to do it for our NBA segment. So we've done the MLB, NFL, NBA. Now we go to a Halloween edition of our top five. Yes, that is the famous opening to Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. You're welcome. So we're going into our top five. Here we go. What are your top five favorite Halloween candies and goodies? It could be one or the other. doesn't matter. So, Danny, I'll start with you first. If you want to go five to one, one to five, no order, or if you have an honorable mention, go.
1: All right, so I don't have an honorable mention. I mean... No, nah, actually, I do have an honorable mention. I'm gonna go with anything king sized for honorable mention. Because <laughs> All right. The houses that hook you up with king sized bars or king sized candy are just the true MVPs. Number five, I'm gonna go with, hmm, I'm gonna go with Skittles because, you know, Skittles definitely a crowd favorite. You can't go wrong with them. Number four, I'm gonna go with M and M's. You can't be mad if people are giving out M&Ms. You know, like like I said before, those are kind of like the, uh, yeah, the, the crowd favorite. You, you can please everyone with those. And then number three, I'm going to go with – I think I'm going to go with Twix. I, I'm a big fan of Twix, so I have to go with Twix as far as trick-or-treat candy. And then number two oh, – this is tough. I think I'm going to have to do a Starburst for number two. All right. And and to top it off, number one, my personal favorite of all time, and a lot of people's personal favorite, Reese's Cups.
2: Okay. Reese's Cups. Very nice. Uh, Danny with the nice little variety there. Nick, I'll go to you next. Doesn't matter if you have an order, one to five, five to one. Honorable mention if you have one, go.
4: So – I hate chocolate. Like I, I really thank you. I don't like man with
2: reason. Yeah, like
4: like Snickers and the the Twixes. I I know that they're good. I just I never really liked them. I like actual candy more. My respect for you has gone up, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So at number five, I have Skittles. Uh, I just remember being really angry, like a couple times when I would eat M and M's instead of Skittles, mixing them up. Uh, But Skittles are number five. Starbursts are number four. Uh, I think that Starburst would be higher up on the list if you didn't have to unwrap the packages every single time that you wanted to eat them. Oh, that's true. Um, sour Patch Kids, I also really like. Uh, I love sour things. Uh, and then number two is Airheads. Okay. Uh, I, I'm a, I've been big into Airheads since I was young. I know that for some people it's not the best. Uh, and, and I know this is a little bit of a, of a confliction. I do think Reese's is the best candy, even though it's chocolate. It's also a little bit of peanut butter okay. t- uh, as well. But I definitely love Reese's. That comes in as one, but that's like the only
2: chocolate-related thing I'd go even close to on Halloween. All right. Yeah, the only chocolate thing that I eat, chocolate chip cookies and Oreos. So, yeah, I know I know Oreos are fake chocolate, but whatever. Allie, your list, 5 to 1, 1 to 5, no order. If you have it, honorable mention, go.
3: So my list doesn't contain any peanut stuff because I cannot have it. Fair, so, fair. So no Reese's. Or else I'll die, JK. But um, my top five is Hershey's Cookies and Cream, the Sour Patch Kids, Twix Bars, Crunch Bars, and the Grand Bars. All
2: right, all right. Some good choices there. Yeah, I'm not really a a peanuts or a nuts kind of guy either. Uh, As Nick said, yeah, I'm not really a chocolate guy either. I know I'm very lame as... Uh, as we did with the the dad joke a few moments ago, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of lame, so all right, so I'll wrap things up here. our our special top five for Halloween. Honorable mentions, I'll go with airheads. i I used to eat them as a kid. I don't really eat them anymore cause I don't go out of my way. i'm'm not, I'm, not, I'm not saying I don't like them, but I just do not go out of my way to go buy them or anything, but they're they're good. Number five, I'll go with Starburst. I think Nick said it. The wrapping is a pain in the butt unwrapping, and you get the little pieces, and it takes you about a minute or two just to, you know, just to eat it. So, I'll put Starburst at number five. Number four, nobody said this, Jolly Ranchers. Jolly Ranchers are always a uh, good candy for me. I always used to love them when I was younger, so I'll go with Jolly Ranchers. Number three, Skittles. I mean, you can't go wrong with some Skittles. Marshawn Lynch is like addicted to them, so uh, I'll go with Skittles at number three. Number two, any kind of Chips or snack bags, like maybe like a party mix or like pretzels or something. Those are always a classic because, again, I'm not really into like chocolate candies or anything. So I'll go with that. Number one, nobody nobody mentioned this. I said in the, the prompt, your favorite candies or goodies. Number one, money. I've had some houses that they give you like little bits of change or something those were absolutely amazing what nick i've never gotten money in any (laughs) halloween anything
3: i i got it a couple of times and i didn't want to say that i was thinking about like oh if i say money i'm gonna come off like really greedy but
2: danny do you have any um any analysis with this am i crazy or anything uh asking saying about money getting my halloween basket
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, I haven't typically gotten money in my Halloween, or my, you know, I guess pillowcase, um, maybe very rarely from, like, a relative, if I'm trick-or-treating at their house for some reason, but you must be living in some nice neighborhoods, because if they're hooking you up with money on a yearly basis, wow. Okay,
2: it wasn't a yearly basis, number one. Number (laughs) two, I do not live in, like, Beverly Hills, let's put it that way. Um, no, it was this, it was this older gentleman down the street, I remember, used to give us, like, Like, very little change. It wasn't, like, you know, $20. It was, like, maybe 50 cents-ish. Like, very, very little. So, um, I will put that as my number one option in our top five for today. All right, so that's going to end our show on this lovely Halloween night. And we will be back with you this week on Wednesday and Friday. Uh, Aaron Hook will be with you on Wednesday, and Danny will be with you on Friday. So make sure you stay up to date with all of your sports news, and hopefully the Phillies can get some wins by the time Aaron uh, hosts offsides on Wednesday. Go Phils! Yes, Danny, thank you. So for everyone here, Danny Ryan, Nick Carlson, Ali Pontano, I'm Larry Dealman. Have a good night.
1: You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.